0: I realized your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually. For the lore!
1: And it almost (laughs) works.
0: You're listening to For The Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd.
2: Welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger, coming to you on Tuesday, a day late on October 11th. We actually had our uh, Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend, so we are a day late. So with that anyways, we are also missing Joe for a few minutes, but he will be joining us shortly. But Vince is here, of course, because that man can be relied on. How's it going, buddy?
1: That's pretty sad. Uh, yeah, you're the, <laughs> when I, when you're the example one. we all go reach towards <laughs> one day.
2: I'll be as good as he. You got nothing? No, I'm, I'm just going to bask in that glow. Okay, we'll bask for as long as you need to. Okay, let's actually touch on a little bit of news that just came out today, and that was on Mass Effect 3. Because there's been a lot of bouncing around lately, I've noticed, more than, than before. They've been talking about the whether there was going to be any kind of multiplayer anything in it. And we finally got some official word from the actual uh, Bioware forums that there will be four-player four-player co-op multiplayer missions in Mass Effect 3. And what they're going to be doing is they're calling it Galaxy at War It's a Galaxy at War system, they're calling it. And it will be available for the PC, the 360, and the PlayStation 3. And what's cool about it is that it's completely separate from your actual standalone gameplay and you're not gonna be able to play as Shepard or any of the iconic characters, but rather different races that you like for this multiplayer. But what's cool is that despite the fact that it's it's separate in nature, meaning that it's Um, it's not going to take away from your single-player campaign. It has the potential to add to it depending on what it is that you do, and if you do enough to it, it can actually even change the outcome
1: of your single-player campaign. I think that's freaking awesome. I think it's cool, but it bugs me, especially for a game like Mass Effect, where I just want to dive in and engross myself entirely in the campaign. But you can. I can, but... I'm also that completionist. So. Okay, But that's not a bad
2: thing. See, the way that I'm looking at this, if they'd made it so that it was in any way, shape, or form required, then okay, we'd have a problem. Yeah. If if the standalone was a game wherein the progression of your character had an impact on, um, let's say, full-on multiplayer, so if they had any kind of, you know, like a Halo system or whatever, like what like we're seeing with Assassin's Creed and Uncharted, where you can go in, and if you did that and it helped it, then it'd be even less, I'd, I'd like it, but it'd be, again, a little different. But because this is so completely separate and not needed at all, but just adds such a la- layer of depth, and now all of a sudden, you can also do stuff with friends that is in that universe, which, dude, I, I love that universe. I, I love everything that they did in that universe. So um, to be able to bounce in and just do sh- some shit with you... And then once I'm done, go back to my standalone, and it has no impact in terms of taking away from what I've done. I don't have to feel like I need to do it.
1: I I don't know. I just feel differently about it. Like I know at no point when I'm playing Mass Effect am I going to want to stop the single-player experience to jump into the co-op. As fun as it may be, it's just... I don't see that situation coming up for me personally when I'm playing it.
2: Okay. See, for me, I do actually, if I am playing and I'm having fun, see, I'm that type of person too, though, with any game there comes (laughs) up, except for perhaps the one that I played this weekend, there comes a point where (laughs) I, I I have to talk about that later, by the way, we, I reached that saturation point where, you know, okay, I've had it with this game for, not forever, but for this evening. Okay. I've, I've put in enough time. I need to take a break and play something else or, you know, go do something else or whatever. So, and I, I, as i'm getting older i'm finding that i'm reaching that point even sooner now so it's my my patience is wearing thin faster or i just i get bored or you know whatever so for me i'm looking at this and i'm thinking okay i'm going to be playing and i'm going to be having a blast i'm going to notice you log in and then i'll shoot you a quick message and say hey do you want to actually bounce in for just a little bit of multiplayer co-op sure bounce in have some fun and then i'm done i'm done so i'm walking away having had a good time not just in the solo missions but also in the co-op or a if if i don't know if they're going to allow local co-op as well or just multiplayer but they haven't really said um but if it's local co-op as well that's even better because then i can bounce in with my son or if somebody comes over we can just Again, play it, have fun, I love that universe, so it'll be it'll be cool, I'll love it, and then do the single player stuff on top of that. And the fact that if I choose to do a lot more of the local stuff, or, or the multiplayer sorry, that it'll have an effect on my single player in a, in a positive way, oh, I think that's fantastic. I, I, any way to change the story from the norm for me is great, just because it's it's an enhanced version of the story.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, there's nothing bad I can say about the system. It's a great concept. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm i just not into it. And I love co-op you're in gonna have to any be. other game.
2: I'm telling you, you're going to have to be because,
1: <laughs> well, maybe not. Because I I'll, I
2: don't know yet if I'm going to buy it for the 360 or if I'm going to pick it up for the PC. Because the other ones I played on the uh, PC.
1: I'm assuming it's not going to be cross-platform. And one. I actually don't have that many friends on Xbox that play Mass Effect. Yeah. I they stupid.
2: Well, that they are. Because I tried Mass Effect on. Well, I tried the demo of 2 on the the PS3. And I don't like the controls as much on uh, console as I do on PC. So I'll probably pick it up. Uh, you might be safe then. Yeah. But Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he better like it. <laughs> okay, let's move away from there then. Because again, I. I'm for it, dude. I think this is gonna be fantastic. Now, one of the games that I definitely am going to be playing on the 360 though, because it's already pre-ordered, dude, as soon as it comes out, ooh, I'm at the store and pick it up. And that is Arkham City. And we got a little bit more information in terms of the 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 whole Robin thing, because they were saying that it was you're you're going to be able to play as Robin. Now we'd we'd seen some stuff just a few days ago, but not too much. And just actually today they did release more information in terms of what that's all about.
1: Yeah, uh, we just found out. Like, like you said, the rumors have been circulating for about a week now. But we just found out officially today that another playable character is going to be joining Batman, Catwoman, and Robin, and that is Nightwing, which is infinitely more exciting than having to play as freaking Robin. Uh, <laughs> just like Robin, though, it seems like he's contained entirely to the challenge mode. Uh, and with the Nightwing purchase, which comes out on November, f- November, <laughs> November. Dude, November.
2: insert record scratch here and play it over four
1: times. <laughs> comes out on November 1st. Uh, you're going to have him for the challenge modes, and he also comes with two extra challenge mode maps. But 7 bucks that seems like a lot of money to me. It,
2: to me, it's one of those things where the, the game had better damn well be very good and that it's worth it to be paying for a character that you can then use to play even more Um, I don't think that I would go through
1: Arkham Asylum again as a different character so it wouldn't be worth it that's the thing though, you even if you buy the Nightwing character, you can't he's not in the campaign. It's entirely in the challenge mode. No, I know, but sorry, let me rephrase.
2: I, again, okay. it,
1: what I'm saying is that if
2: I it, it better damn well be very very good for me to want to spend that much money on just another character because otherwise it's not something that's going to hold my interest enough that I'm going to want to spend that much more on DLC just for a
1: character. You know what I mean? It's- especially if you already played through the ch- most of the challenge mode as batman and then to play through the same challenges again as nightwing that really doesn't appeal to me that much like honestly i didn't even play the challenge mode in arkham asylum that much i was so happy with the campaign i was like i'm i had to put the controller down and go rest for a while just so my brain could handle everything that was there yeah but ex- exactly so
2: if it's something that's going to be good then fine um but again that's a little high as well for 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 a dlc but dude what we're seeing lately it seems to be par for the course apparently devs seem to think that we have a lot more money than we actually do
1: it just takes the absolute ludicrousness of all of the arkham city add-ons to another level we've got like 15 skins for batman at this point we got robin we've got nightwing it's gone completely off the deep end with with all the stuff you can do and it's all it's all in the challenge mode I, I'm doubting they're going to let you change your skin in the uh, campaign. You couldn't in Arkham Asylum. You could only really do that in challenge mode. How much is of this game is going to be the challenge mode that all of this extra content is being added in just for that?
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I wanted to talk about the Portal 2 DLC. We were talking about DLC. Now's the perfect time to talk about that. I have not finished it yet. I don't know if you guys tackled it yet. I haven't finished it, but my son and I played it over the weekend, and we got to, I think, 6 the seventh level and that dude shit that 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 stuff was fun (laughs) it was fantastic and i found it even more challenging than the original stuff
1: i haven't even touched it yet unfortunately like i said last week my co-op partner for the uh bulk of portal 2 is traded the freaking game in so i spent uh, a night last week downloading it through steam onto pc i just haven't had time to go into it uh,
0: I actually really like it. I think it's, uh, well, great bang for your buck considering it didn't it cost, did cost anything. A thing, yeah. <laughs> um, but it really is nice. Uh, the amount that you got, which was ten full stages or ten full levels of a stage, however they word it, but ten, ten rooms essentially. Um, it was just really well done. It's very challenging. Oh, yeah, uh, very. I don't know. Did you find it even more challenging than the original stuff? Yes, yes, I did.
2: Oh, yeah, because, and see, I, again, I play with my son, and like, I'm not like the proud papa, kind of bragging about his son. My kid's been gaming, it's a gaming household, and my kid grew up with a controller in his hands, and, and he is justifiably good. When we did the original one together, well, the original for co-op two stuff, and I I barely had to think. Hey, it was great. <laughs> i just go in. He'd have the shit figured out from the moment we walked in. Okay, I think we need to do this, this, and this, and this. Sure enough, he's right. Dude, we got to the second one in this one, and it took us a good 15, 20 minutes kind of looking around, trying to figure out, trying some different stuff. And even my son is going, I don't know what we're supposed to I don't get it. <laughs> and, and we eventually figured it out,
0: but it took a lot more brainstorming between the two of us, which I think was fantastic. And I like that too. I mean, not not to, you know, sell it short or anything because my original multiplayer uh, partner was rather handicapped and Canadian. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was what it was. Uh, they were very difficult at that time, but yeah, no, this is just perfect. Absolutely perfect.
2: And I love that, I love that it's not just a bunch of levels that were tossed in. There's a theme. There, there is yes. this overarching theme, this this art project from Gladys. <laughs> and, again, it's every single time we hear her, you, you can't help but smile. Some of the lines she comes out in this one topped the game, the actual game, the last time. So you're sitting there, and even my son is going, she's so mean. <laughs> <laughs> But, she really,
0: she, I mean, she's one of those characters that you just love to hate. Oh yeah.
2: So no, it is, again, if if anybody has the game and may have uninstalled it because they were done or whatever, or kind of are out of that mindset and don't want to, didn't give much thought to it, download it. A, it's free. You can't, you can't be that. And, and B, it doesn't come off as a free DLC that's not meant to be much this would have quite easily been a, a paid DLC that and worth every penny and worth it. The production values spot on and it's the levels weren't just tossed together. they make you think and they make you and, and what I liked is that unlike some of the levels from the actual um, the actual co-op stuff, some of them were just uh, it's not that they were well thought out. they were just hard. What I found with this is that there wasn't as much stuff that was just hard to do. Like you figured it out, but then the actual execution was difficult. No, it was, it required more brain activity. You actually had to think about it more and then it wasn't as difficult to do once you kind of figured it out. And I really liked that a lot.
0: Oh yeah. And that was, that was one of the big things it was, it wasn't difficult for the sake of just being ridiculously hard. It was like you said, well thought out. And that speaks for a lot in my book.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, moving on from there. We actually got some news about just some very brief news to touch on a few things here. One of them was Uncharted 3, which is, of course, going with the new online pass that Sony is going to soon be setting up all future games with. Um, well, they're their first-party games. We've already touched on this. There's not much point in, in arguing more about whether or not we think this should go because, quite frankly, it's just going to go. And that's 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 that. So
0: unless you guys well, yeah. have something to say, nope. In the grand scheme of things, companies will do what companies will do. Yeah, we don't have much much choice in this. It's,
2: in my opinion, it's just a a money grab. But I mean, whatever. It's, it's
1: obviously a money grab that's working. So
2: well, that's the thing. It's sad because again, it's when you go to a lot of places now, the used games are like five to ten dollars cheaper than the brand new ones. <laughs> What's going to be that. the point of buying a used game anymore? there's not going to be much of a point if it's got any kind of online component. Okay. Let's stop with that. Uh, we also got a little bit of news on Neverwinter, which we'd kind of touched on before, but we did find out some more, I guess you could say a little bit more officially.
1: Yeah. We, uh, way back when we were talking about the uh, latest MMO that Cryptic Games was working on after Champions Online and Star Trek Online. And it was a Neverwinter game based upon the uh, popular Dungeons and Dragons franchise. And then they fell apart, their game sucked, they lost money. <laughs> they, got by, uh, no yeah, <laughs> they got bought up by Perfect World Entertainment. Yeah, pretty much. They got bought up by Perfect World Entertainment. And we saw Champions Online go free-to-play, Star Trek Online go free-to-play. Well, Neverwinter was never intended as an MMO. It was always going to be a cooperative multiplayer experience, but not on on the massive scale. But Perfect World, what they do is they do free-to-play MMOs. So Neverwinter is being retooled as a free-to-play MMO. And, okay, (laughs) at least... uh, It has the opportunity of going through its entire development cycle, or at least the bulk of it, uh, with that in mind. Uh, They're reusing the core graphics engine from the two previous games, so they're not completely building it from the ground up. Uh, The change does mean the game's been pushed back until late next year, but take your time with it. It, If you screw up superheroes, okay, you screw up Star Trek, you're pushing it. If you screw up Dungeons & Dragons, they're going to burn down your damn building. See my problem with this,
0: and it's and this might just be me. Um, I kind of understand that there's already a Dungeons and Dragons MMO, and it's free to play too, right? And it's free to play too from Turbine, who does it a lot better.
2: I'm still finding it difficult to understand where the interest is in this at this point, because of all of that. I and because of because of who's going to be working on this one. I don't know. I personally. This is completely off my radar. I really yeah. don't care. I honestly don't care. I mean, as it draws nearer and as we see more, they've got the opportunity to impress the hell out of me, for sure. Knock yourself out and impress me. You've got time to do it. But as of now, knowing the pedigree of everyone involved here kind of thing, it's like, hmm, I really... My expectations are pretty low. Yeah, the bar is pretty low. The bar is set low. I could jump over (laughs) that damn bar right now. (laughs) Okay, let's get off of that and touch a little bit about Transformers, because you had some news about that, too. (laughs)
1: Oh,
0: Jesus.
1: (laughs) Okay, deep breath. All right. So, last year, uh, we got the Transformers War for Cybertron game, which was... One of the biggest geek games in recent memory, where High Moon Studios took the Transformers G1 aesthetic and made the greatest Transformers video game ever out of it. It was, yes. it wasn't you know a stellar game. It was an av- above average game, but they handled the IP so well that it was phenomenal. The music, the voice actors, the characters—it was all absolutely great. Uh, they took a bit of a detour this past year by uh, picking up the movie franchise game and. No matter what good of a studio you have on a movie franchise game, there's not that much you can do with it. So coming up next year, we have Transformers Fall of Cybertron, picking up the sequel to the original Transformers game they worked on. And Game Informer, uh, it's their big cover uh, story for the November issue, which should be out now, I believe. And they also have a a, website dedicated to it, just like they did for the first game bringing out more facts as it comes along. We've seen a couple covers, the first of which has uh, Optimus Prime holding a lifeless bumblebee in his arms. Interesting. And then the second one, which made me giggle, I'll admit, (laughs) fucking Grimlock. Grimlock smash!
0: That's all I have to say about that.
1: The, the, the one character every fan wanted to play in the first game has been confirmed for the second game. And just to add on to that, we've gotten actually a couple more tidbits over the last couple days. In the first game, we saw uh, members of the famous Aerial Bot and Stunticon teams, just not in the traditional team that they were displayed as in the G1 era. We have confirmed that for Fall for Cybertron, the Combaticons will be in the game not just the five characters, but also as Bruticus. This makes me very, very happy.
0: Yeah, I have been so excited for this since we heard about it. Like, I think Vince and I may have messaged each other at the same time like, <laughs>
1: yes!
0: it was quite welcome news. I mean, that's the only way I could really phrase it. Um, I can't wait. I honestly cannot wait for this.
1: Just... I, I was so amazingly surprised by War for Cybertron. I was expecting a, a half ass game with the, with the IP thrown on top, but... They, no, like they, said, they, they did
0: a they, damn good job.
1: Yeah, and they, they, it's just like what, we, what we've always said with Arkham Asylum. They handled the IP so perfectly that there was really no complaints you could make from the story and character side of things.
0: Well, no logical complaints at least.
1: Well, yeah, people will always complain.
0: All right, this
2: week we also got a bunch of news for Skyward Sword, because that's going to be coming out, and the news is really starting to flood now. And again, I know that, Vince, you're not that excited, but Joe, if you're anything like me right now, the more that I'm hearing, the more I'm getting excited for this game, which is, I mean, because initially it was kind of, I I don't want to say that my interest was, you know, Completely Well, it's it's because it's been so long too, and the first announcement of it at that would have been E three two years ago, right? Two three two Two years two years ago. Yeah, where it wasn't really working that great and there wasn't that much shown in terms of story. It was all about how it was going to be working, which apparently it wasn't, and things like that. But now that we're getting a lot more directly in terms of the story, the story really does seem like something that's gonna interest me a lot.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, literally every news source out there is devoting an entire, like, section of article, like the latest Game Informer uh, has several, like, I think it's like 23 pages of Legend of Zelda stuff now, as a result of it. Um, But the new uh, information has basically started with the new opening sequence, right? We'll we'll start at the beginning. The new opening sequence is something that you would see from any classic sort of Zelda game. It has the, the all the, the penance of storytelling uh, done in the, the 2D style that has become so popular on the handheld, but with much more going on in the background, a lot very more stylish. epic. It's very, very stylish. stylish. And epic, and yeah. Epic that's soundtrack. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it really is. It's a story being handed down uh, to the next person. So it's already setting you up to say, you're playing a story you are playing the events that are being passed down and i think that's kind of the cool part about it um but yeah i mean the the opening sequence it grabs you right away and i think that's one of the most important things about it because let's face it they have a high bar with any like ocarina of time and majora's mask looming there they have to have sort of that that get you from the beginning and keep you in there and right now, the, that opening sequence, it's got me in there. I want to see that. Well, what I love about it, too, is that they're not afraid to take a chance with
2: something as important as an opening sequence for a, a new Zelda game. And w- right now we're in a time where opening sequences that you're seeing for various games are huge freaking cinematics that are, you know, you can see the, the freaking pores on the guy's face. It's so crystal clear and everything's perfect. And here's something that is completely just this this stylish story being told something that you'd see like uh, you know it's a campfire tale being told almost kind of thing and it's not about having something that's cinematically beautiful so much as just unbearably stylish and sucks you right in and that to me is again you you have to rely on good storytelling if you're going to do something like that and it and it looks fantastic.
0: Absolutely. It looks phenomenal. Um, on top of already looking phenomenal, uh, we got to see some in-game action from, you know, just, not just the sequence at the beginning, uh, but some of the mechanics. And not just how you swing a sword, but in particular, one thing that I found interesting is how dousing is going to work. Um, dousing is the method by which Link finds different things throughout the game. Um, so as you're traveling through the world, you can if you're looking for a particular NPC, a target zone, or a hidden item, you can use dowsing to point you in the right direction. Now, this is really cool um, because in the video, you can see that Link is using it as a quest arrow. So instead of having a map that you pull up, that you have to follow this you know, path and it kind of gives you a general idea of where to go. No, you have a full sphere of motion. You can go in any direction with this. It will tell you up, down, left, right, wherever you need to go. And you have to basically use it to find where you need to go. And it's such an ingenious way to put the quest arrow system into the game without taking you out of the game, first of all, and doing it in such a way that it, it doesn't limit you to a 2D plane. The only thing, problem that I have with it, and it'll be something
2: in once I play around with it, then I'll be able to have a better grasp on it. But looking at the video, it looks like it's going to be something that's going to require too much time. Because if you watch the video of him trying to find that little stupid freaking tree plant looking dude, (laughs) it took too long. And I know that you have to be, I know that we've, we've grown far too impatient with games where we want things and we want them now kind of thing. I, I, I get that. But to a certain degree, there, there's gotta be a happy medium where, okay, make it take a little bit longer so that we can appreciate, you know, the landscape, the story, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but it, I don't know, it it looked like
1: it's going to suck up too much time. I don't think so. I honestly don't uh, think so. First time around, okay. 60th, 100th time you have to use the dowsing. Yeah, I can see it getting really grating. I think it's
0: going to get quicker, and I think it's going to get easier as the game goes on for you. Because it's one of those things where right now we're judging it without having used it as well. You know what I mean? We don't know who's controlling it. Um, we don't know what environment they were in. It could have been some guy standing in line for, like, 14 hours at, like, some games convention, and this happens to be footage from it. Uh, you know, Really? You, you, you think that's know. what they'd use? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, and developers, while they make great games, don't always play the best at their own games. I'm going to throw that out there. Um, so we don't know. And it could be one of those things where it's not as big a deal. As, you know, people think it's going to wind up being and you might just be able to flick it on, get a general idea and keep going. And one of those things where you can kind of move in and out of it without too much hassle. That's what I'm expecting it to turn into. And I think that's what we're going to feel about it after a little bit. Well, it, we'll see. Now, there's more here, too. Now, what would a Link game be without Temples? Temples are the iconic sort of waypoints for any Legend of Zelda game. Uh, we got to see a video of Link on his visit to Skyview Temple, which is the very first temple in the game. Sorry, it's the first game that doesn't have the Forest Temple as the first temple you visit in a very long time. Um, so we, the visuals of this place are stupendous. Uh, all the different uh, plant life and, and everything else, and basically the ambient, uh, ambience of the, the entire temple is ridiculous. Like, I just looked at this and I'm like, I can't wait to dungeon crawl through this place. Uh, Even the things where uh, you had the different uh, monsters looking at you, with cavemen, spiders, giant skeletons, all the staples are there. One cool thing that I thought was, or that I thought, you know, to bring up here, is that as he found a key and he went to go use a key, he actually had to position the key in the lock. And I mean not just like run up to the door, click a button and it opens up. He actually had to manipulate the key to fit it in the lock. And I thought that was kind of interesting. It's a nice little twist on the the whole key mechanic there. Um, well, at least for boss keys, because it was definitely a boss key.
1: Yeah, for the for the boss keys, okay. As long as it doesn't turn into Metroid Prime 3, because that was friggin' aggravating.
0: Yes, that was definitely aggravating. But there's also a, a photo gallery now that shows all the different locations, enemies, shows off the interface. Um, but over everything else, and we've been talking about story, we find out that the game is going to take a big swing back towards the realm of RPGs. Now, let's face it. The last time Link was a really solid RPG, there were three games come to mind, right? You had Zelda 2, which was an awful game, but had a great story behind it. and It made you go to towns and talk to people and do all sorts of, of stuff like that, uh, which is very RPG-ish. You had complete control over where you went in the world. You have... Ocarina of Time, and you have Majora's Mask. The rest of them are kind of, you know, pointing in the direction and go, they're not very RPG-ish, even though they kind of classified it. We've got information that this is going to take a step back towards the original RPG-type gameplay, where you're going to have sort of that exploring the world and interacting with the world uh, in the way of Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and Zelda 2. So I'm really excited for that. Now, it's not going to be anything Final fantasy ask or you know super deep rpg you know heavy rain style but i think it'll be enough to get the the ip back to its roots where it needs to be
2: i agree i i'm i am very much looking forward to playing this game which is saying a lot because dude my wii never gets turned on dust never gets turned on anymore so to 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 think that yeah i'm actually really looking forward to a wii game that's kind of cool
1: i'll admit because i'm the one that's been hating on it the hardest out of the three of us now that they're focusing on the actual game instead of the uh, motion control gimmickry that we saw for the first year and a half of its marketing, it's coming more in line with a game that I'd like to play. Okay. That 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 said, that says a lot. My, my distaste of the Wii in general is is still a big <laughs> hurdle to overcome.
2: <laughs> it's just your distaste of motion control. It's not really the we per se, granted that's all that that is, but I mean. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Jesus. It won't kill you to get a little bit of exercise. We know you do nothing at work, slack ass. Okay, we also got a crap load of news for Assassin's Creed Revelations, and that just came out, which is, I love that people are consistently amazed At the caliber of the next game coming out, because you keep thinking, well, not enough time has passed. There's no way in hell they could put out something. Oh, my God, look at this. It's great. (laughs) And what we're seeing now and hearing for Revelations, which is coming out damn soon, is that it is very much a full game and is going to be fantastic
1: it pisses me off that I'm going to have to wait until after Skyrim to play this game. It's, 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 not, it's not like I could just take a weekend off of Skyrim to play Assassin's Creed because Assassin's Creed is a long-ass game too. So, Man, but we got some great uh, hands-on info uh, from Kotaku. And man, this game just looks freaking amazing. Um, after the events at the end of Brotherhood, if you haven't played it, I won't ruin it for you because it's freaking astounding at the end. Desmond is, uh, not in a good place. Uh, he, he seems to be stuck in some sort of animus limbo and we don't know too much about the, the events behind Desmond's side of the game. Uh, Ubisoft is keeping that under wraps, but for whatever reason, he ends up getting back into some sort of animus and following along in Ezio's footsteps again. Uh, at one point, the, uh, The writer tried to go to, you know, leave the Animus, and it wasn't just leave the Animus, and you know, showed up in a lab. It took him to this island that was shrouded in mist, and then the Ubisoft guy came over and took the controller out of his (laughs) hands. So I, I really want to know what's going on now, but uh, he he gave some nice uh, gameplay. Uh, looks at what we can expect in the game, uh, starting off in the second sequence or chapter of the game. Uh, it involves Ezio arriving in Constantinople, a new uh, environment to the franchise. And from the videos we saw at E3, the actual city itself is just fabulous. It's so it's it just feels so much more alive than Rome or Tuscany or any of the other places we've been to. It's just it's dirty. It, there's people. It, it's just they really spent a lot of time making the city freaking astounding. So he goes on to say that uh, they've started using new motion capture technology for the cutscenes, so the characters seem more alive and realistic, which is very welcome. And just also Ezio himself being older in this game. I think he's like 10, 15, 20 years older than he was in the previous game. That That adds a lot of depth to his character and that's definitely something else to look forward to. Uh, They've expanded the uh, radial menus in the game, which that's absolutely wonderful because dude's got a lot of stuff in his pockets it started becoming <laughs> a little difficult to uh you know to get the right weapon out at the right time so expanding uh the quick access inventory is welcome uh hopefully when they do a full assassin's creed 3 with a new character and a new setting they can pair back the arsenal a bit because uh i think we've seen just about everything you can do in renaissance era uh the hook blade seems like it's really cool like we've seen a lot of it uh, mostly in use of like zip lining around the city on ropes or what have you but seeing how it's going to affect the more uh, mundane aspects of the game just the standard traversal Ezio can make longer distance jumps now because he can use the hook blade to catch that last little ledge or he can climb a lot faster which is hugely welcome because he can use the hook blade to really boost himself up into higher jumps and i think i think a good 15 percent of your time in assassin's creed is just spent climbing straight up walls so that's great i'm gonna go slowly this way slowly this way slowly that way (laughs) and then they threw a big twist in there when Ezio has to go defend one of the assassin temples it starts the den defense mode which is a freaking tower defense mini game yes <laughs> it, it's it i'll admit at first i was like what the fuck are they doing here but then when he explains you know Ezio, he's not really you know the, the frontline fighter anymore. He has taken on a leadership role, so it does make sense for in, in a battle like this when he has so many assassins available to him, just stand back and be the commander. And I like that, how, how his character is growing and the gameplay is growing to fit in with that. It's, it's a nice mix there. Then we go into sequence four, which just looks like it's a lot of fun. Ezio must infiltrate a party. Well, he can't walk in there dressed as an assassin, so he has to jump some musicians. <laughs> he, he puts on the minstrel outfit, picks up the lute, and as he's wandering through the crowd, he can start playing songs and singing. <laughs> he, his role there is to find the, uh, the Templars or the Byzantines in, in this game. And using his eagle vision, which has changed as well. just like we were talking about last week how uh, Arkham Arkham City has changed the detective mode to be a little more in-depth and a little less easy mode. We're getting the same here. Instead of the sudden flash of there's the gold target, He's he's your one you have to assassinate, it's okay, he's one of these guys, and then you really have to study closer to figure out which one it is. So once you do find out who your target is, you have to start playing a song. The audience will, you know, all the surrounding characters will turn around to listen to you play, and then that's when you command your assassins to go in for the kill behind. That's freaking (laughs) cool as hell. I cannot wait to do that. Uh, Beyond that, the combat itself possibly is more difficult. Uh, As the writer says, it might just be the fact that it was a demo and he was unprepared. But I always liked that combat in Assassin's Creed was really easy. Just because it kind of gave you that air of just how superior of a fighter Ezio was compared to everybody else. So, I mean, I'm all for a challenge, don't get me wrong. But I also liked that Ezio just seemed so far beyond everybody else, kind of like Batman. <laughs> he, yep. he was Renaissance Batman. <laughs> and then in just another great twist, uh, just like the, uh, the assassin shrines and the Templar... Uh, archives and stuff from previous games we have uh, the caves in this one where Ezio must collect keys to access the hidden treasure and everything well after he completes the cave not only does he get the key but he unlocks a memory from Altair and this is where the Altair side of the story mixes into the game, where Ezio will go back home and meditate upon what he's learned, and that's when you'll play the Altair segments. So you're playing as Desmond, living the memories of Ezio, who is living the memories of Altair. This has become Inception, but yep. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. I, I, I'm liking every single thing they've done here. Like I said, I just need to find time to actually play the damn thing.
0: I can't wait. I mean, everything that's coming out about this has just got me more and more excited for this game. And I was already a big fan of the uh, the series, but oh man, I just—they're adding so many different things to it right now that it's—it's going to feel like a completely different game, at least to me.
2: Yeah, I. You know what? I actually was. Starting back again because I'd never finished the first one, and I'd started the the first one back again. And I, I actually I have to get back to it because I've been a little busy with other games. But I want to kind of in so much as I can play them close together so that I can experience it pretty much as a whole kind of thing. And I think that'll that'll allow me to see things into it that you may have forgotten. If you had a couple of months gap between the games kind of thing. And I think that there's so much work that was done in the games to tie them together that if you play them close together, that it'll be something you can appreciate.
1: Yeah, especially once you're starting getting into the more abstract elements of the plot. The uh, Well, you haven't played it, so I'm not going to ruin too much, but just the sheer what the fuckery of some of the stuff that goes on.
2: Yeah, I am looking forward to it. Okay, with that, we're actually going to take a break here. We have a feature on Rage from Vince, which was actually very interesting for anybody who's considering the game. It's been getting a lot of press right now, being that it was just released recently. And so have a listen. We're going to come back, and then we've got some Star Wars The Old Republic news as well as some Reckoning news and some other stuff too. So hang tight, and we'll be back in a few minutes.
0: Dream strip down, yeah.
1: Rage is the latest first-person shooter from the company that started it all. Following in the lineage of the Doom and Quake franchises, Rage is id Software's first release in seven years and their first new IP in 15. id has always been on the cutting edge of programming technology and it certainly shows in Rage. Running on the new id Tech 5 engine, Rage manages to deliver a smooth-running, high-quality product over all three platforms, which is a true accomplishment. Yes, the game's difficulties on PC have been highly publicized, but from what I've seen, many users have had no trouble and the results are fantastic. That said, my experiences are based on the Xbox 360 version, and I am amazed. The textures are beautiful and the frame rate never stutters for a second. Whether blasting down the road in my dune buggy or blasting holes in enemies, the game is smooth from start to finish. I've noticed a few muddy textures in the darker areas of the game, and occasional anti-aliasing issues, but Rage is without a doubt the best looking game I've seen on the console. Some others may be more detailed in places, but never as smooth. I look forward to what other companies can do with the technology with a little bit of refinement in coming years. Rage takes place in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, devastated by a massive asteroid where the remaining people struggle to survive on a daily basis. There's mutant attacks, bandit raids, and the ever-present authority holding them down. The player's role in the tale is as a survivor from one of the many ARCs the government set up before the asteroid hit. ARC survivors are highly coveted for the technology in their bodies, so much of the game is spent making the wasteland safer for yourself as well as its inhabitants. Of course, before long you're drawn into a revolution against the Authority and things really start to get interesting. It seems a bit been there done that, but the characters that inhabit the wasteland are an eclectic bunch and really take the standard story up a notch. The game is built around several towns that serve as central hubs with shops and quest givers. The townsfolk will send you into the wasteland to accomplish various tasks. In the Wasteland, the game focuses on the vehicles, with high speed combat on wheels. There's a great sense of speed, and while the driving controls are a bit too tight for me, once I got used to them, the vehicle combat was a great deal of fun. After traversing the Wasteland, most of the FPS elements take place in various dungeon-style encounters. The weapons are standard for the genre, pistol, machine gun, shotgun, and so on but the various ammunition types available give the gunplay a great deal of variety. You can fire armor-piercing bullets, exploding arrows, and my personal favorite, turn your shotgun into a mini grenade launcher. The guns feel great, very responsive, with just the right amount of weight and recoil. Combat is further fleshed out by an assortment of equipment you can use, including deployable turrets, exploding RC cars, and the game's iconic wingstick weapon a razor-sharp boomerang. Decapitating an enemy with a flick of your wrist is just as satisfying as it sounds. There is absolutely nothing negative I can say about the combat in Rage. There's also an assortment of mini-games available in the towns. Car combat racing is vital for the game because the rewards earned in races can be used to upgrade your vehicle. Beyond that, there's gambling, skill games, and a collectible card game played using cards found throughout the game world. The gameplay variety is welcome, as it breaks up what could otherwise be non-stop shooting. Not that that's a bad thing, but it allows the game to go longer without becoming monotonous. Many have actually been complaining about the game's length, but I'm just not seeing it. Some people are completing the game in 8 to 10 hours, just blowing through the campaign, and if that's how you want to spend your $60, go for it. Personally, I've put over 12 hours into the game, and I haven't even reached the halfway point. Granted, over an hour of that was spent playing the damn cheating five-finger fillet game, but that still leaves about 20 hours of game, way above average for most first-person shooters these days. I've taken my time exploring the wasteland and playing the minigames, and it's been a very worthwhile experience. I'm glad for Rage. I'm glad a game can be successful with a no-frills straight combat approach in today's market. I'm glad for a welcome breath of fresh air this fall in between all the sequels other companies are putting out.
0: Down to the thorny altar. I'm I might fade.
2: All right, and we are back. We're actually I'm glad we're back. I'm so glad we are back is all I'm saying. I'm glad I I'm know glad you guys. as well. I am. Dude, I'm so making buttons. <laughs> They'll be in the mail shortly. All right. Let's talk about some Star Wars: The Old Republic because we got a little bit more information about that in terms of the AI for or not the AI, sorry, the uh, the companions. Well, the AI for the companions as well and how they're going to be acting and how much control you're going to have over them. It's uh, it's kind of cool because they're going to be allowing us a lot more control over the companions so that if you choose to micromanage the shit out of your companions, you'll be able to do that. Or you can just leave them on automatic kind of AI where they do their own stuff. So, if again, if you are playing regularly with someone else between the two of you. If you're both the type who can micromanage your, your companion, you can do actual, you know, you flashpoint stuff might be tricky, but they're saying it may again be possible depending on just how good you are at micromanaging your, your
1: companions. And it's, it's a cool that they added in that option because I had never thought about it that way until they, they brought it up. Like, Oh, okay. You know, I just, Yeah, I'm trying to say this without screwing something up. (laughs) Well, we've seen here you can go on autopilot or the micromanage mode. So I've experienced the autopilot. (laughs) I never thought of using the uh, micromanaging features quite to the extent as they pointed out here. I never thought that, okay, the healer goes down. I can then become the healer by really focusing on what my companion is doing from a healing standpoint instead of just, oh, okay, I've got the companion, they're going to throw out some heals. I never quite thought about approaching the gameplay from that point of view. See, that's actually something that I thought of damn near
2: right away because it, it <laughs> it's going to give you the option of tackling content that's harder if you are good at micromanaging your companion because you're essentially two players in one and then when I look at the game and think well I'll be playing with my son and I know my son is a good gamer as well he's going to be able to micromanage his companion as well so between the two of us we're going to be a four man team going into whatever it is that we want to do which means that we will be able to do some of the stuff that is harder whether we're talking just heroic stuff that requires four players or I'm, we're going to be tackling flashpoints because I want to see whether or not he and I are going to be able to do some of that stuff together
1: and you don't know if you don't try
0: exactly so I think that's fairly cool I think the level of of choice is key there and I think that really interests me like I'm kind of I want to experience both the autopilot and micromanaging for myself to see how they both work but it just it seems like an interesting little you know twist on the whole companion thing I would guess that it works well.
2: I don't know. I'm just
0: shooting that out there. That I would, (laughs) would if I had to. I have no firsthand knowledge, um, which is sad. It is kind of sad, yeah. But what I'm
2: saying is that if I had to lay a wager down right here and now, I would say it probably works well. I probably would.
0: I'm not going to take your wager because I I know it's going to involve a variant cover. But no, we're we're okay. Uh, Yeah, I'm just saying It's, it's it's possible.
2: Yeah, it works well. So there was also a video that was put out (laughs) where you really get to see how the team members that are working on specific classes are really particular (laughs) to that class. (laughs) And they're talking about the Jedi Knight versus the Bounty Hunter, which is going to be dominating the, uh, the PvP scene. And I think this is fantastic. I'm sure a lot of it is staged. Although that being said, if you are working on a class, you are going to be, you know, particular to it, and you will be rooting for it. And that's what we're seeing here when they're talking about these two. I thought it was
1: fantastic. This is like a message board thread gone awry. (laughs) (laughs) Who's better? (laughs) But it was pretty awesome. When (laughs) Reddit attacks. Because we all know it's the Bounty Hunter. Yo, damn right. (laughs) Because Bounty Hunters rock.
2: I'll tell you what else rocks. Sith Inquisitors. We're not going to go into it, but as I understand it, Sith and Quitters, Inquisitors are are pretty goddamn cool. Hmm. As I understand it, not all classes are, but as I understand it, Sith, Sith Inquisitors are pretty goddamn cool. So yeah, on a completely I a lot of things <laughs> on a completely unrelated topic, <laughs> unrelated topic. I know a guy, and this guy works on trading card games. And so he talked to me and he says, listen, I've got this trading card game that I'm working on. Would you like to play with it on the weekend and tell me what you think? And so I said, well, of course I would, for sure. So he sent me all the trading card game stuff. I actually had to download all of the PDFs, which amounted to quite a size. And then I had to print them all out. And then my son and I played them over the weekend. And we played quite a bit at it. Quite, quite a bit, quite a bit. And it was interesting playing it because there was a lot of things about it that kind of reminded us of other trading card games that we play, you know, like like, like Magic the Gathering. I mean, you think of Magic the Gathering, you think, wow, now there's a game. I mean, really, wow, it's, it's a hell of a game. And so there's obvious comparisons that are made to that kind of thing. And what we kind of, did when we were thinking about it, was that... There's a lot of things that that Magic the Gathering does now that it's because it's been around so long. So it's kind of perfected a lot of elements of how it does things. I mean, the way you kind of do your instants and your sorcery spells and you you lay the cards out and, you know, the way that everything's on the table while you're playing kind of thing. There's 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 a certain setup that it's got going on there that feels very natural. You know what I'm saying? And, and so there's some things that with the the card game that he's working on that it doesn't quite have that yet, or that it kind of, you can see how it kind of does some of the things the same way, but, but hasn't yet gotten the refinements that magic, the gathering has had years to do, but you you kind of think, okay, well, if you're going to make a trading card game and there's going to be elements that are the same, you would think that you would incorporate some of those new things that magic the gathering is done that's cool i don't know i i just i think that you know that's something that you would do that this is something that i told him too that he may want to to try but we played and and it's cool because you know like like magic you can play a black deck or you can play a red deck or you can play you know the white deck and do different things so so we had the opportunity to kind of mess around with decks and to and and we decided you know you can become a master of one deck or you can kind of play with all of the decks and get a good handle on all of the decks and what we found was that not all the decks played the same as you'd imagine of course and some of the decks were were not as exciting and I, I told him too, because, I mean, you're making a, a, a card game and the card game relies heavily on lore stuff. There's tons of story, even more than, than, than magic. So you, if you're relying a lot on, on story, then you want to make sure that, that every deck that you play, the story is going to be phenomenal. Because, again, the gameplay that we were looking at, like, you know, you, you see, it was fun and stuff. Um, derivative, again, of, of magic kind of stuff and, and other games trading card games like that but but it was it was it was still it was still fun of course but it's it's much more about the story behind it and I, you know i'm all about story and so is my son so this was kind of cool but then it's like hmm well some of the decks just didn't appear to have the depth of story that you would really expect from that kind of thing and then, of course it's highly subjective some people may try that deck and think Poof, my white deck beats your freaking swamp deck any day of the week and twice on sunday I kind of disagree now then some of the decks though, dude, some of the decks, even after my son had gone to bed, you could actually play this trading card game solo. I, it was like solitaire. I was playing till three in the morning and I don't, I don't do that anymore. I'm well past that age, staying up till three playing card games. No way I did. And then the other night till one. And let me tell you some of those decks were so much fun to play. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. It was very cool. It was very, granted, you know what? After it was done, he said that he still had some work to do so I had to burn all the freaking cards and 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 it's done now, but I'm I'm really looking forward to when he's done so that I could actually play it some more because based on what I saw, it's going to be a lot of fun to play. it I
1: hate you. That was I, brilliant. I I, I... <laughs> I was trying not to laugh the whole time. That that was brilliant. I don't know what you're talking about. But I really need to find this card game. It, you know what? It was
2: once it's done, then I'll be able to talk more about it. But he told me that I'm not allowed to talk about it because, uh, you know. But I'm not. I didn't. I can't say exactly what it is. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, you just gave some general impressions. I mean, that I could be any did. card game. It's this is what I'm saying. It. it that's exactly what I'm saying. But it's a. It, I like card games. Uh. I, I got I got stacks and stacks of cards from from freaking Yu-Gi-Oh all the way to Wow Trading Card Game. I got I got a lot. So I'm all about trading card games. So when this came about the opportunity, I mean, I cast aside chances to do other things this weekend that I'd been looking forward to really doing. Like, dude, I got an invite to the freaking Star Wars The Old Republic this weekend. I, it, it came up out of the blue and it was like you're freaking kidding me i can't i'm working on this freaking trading card game all weekend i can't play i'm sorry and i'm glad that i had to turn them down because i had so much fun playing the um the the uh, the trading card game it was it was it was absolutely awesome to the point let me put it to you this way okay My son and I played the crap out of it, like I said, over and over again. Hand after hand, laughing, reading, talking to each other about it. It was awesome. Appreciating the artwork on the cards, which, I mean, some of the artwork needed some work, and I I told him that. But overall, it was was very impressive. Very impressive. I'll be glad once, you know, you get better, you know, printings of it and stuff, so it looks even better, because the printing that I had was kind of... uh, pixelia points and a little jagged and stuff like that so i kind of told him how to fix some of that and so that's gonna be cool um but to the point of after playing that just for the weekend i tried to play some magic the gathering with my son afterwards and it was like wow i really don't even feel like playing at all but we played for a couple i'm serious i was like wow i can't believe that i don't want to play this and it was just played for a couple of hands, and it was like, I don't feel like playing this. So that's saying a lot for the card
1: game. So I should definitely get this card game when it comes out.
2: I'm thinking when it comes out, we'll advertise it, we'll talk about it, we'll go over some of the stories and stuff, and definitely. I mean, I know that this is a games podcast, and people, frankly, only care about games. But it's a card game. We've we've talked about different card games, so yeah. So I'm thinking that we will definitely have to cover it. So, moving on. We also got some reckoning news this week as well, which was kind of cool
1: yeah we got uh, last uh, was it the last week, maybe the week before uh, we had that live stream that they were talking about. and a couple of the guests they had on were the narrative designers for the game and, and it just kind of stuck with me was like, okay, a narrative designer is the person like who, whose job it is to translate the story through actual gameplay. And I've ever since then I've been kind of like, I wonder how they do that. So we got an entire 12 minute video. About narrative design. Thank you, Big Huge Games. That was very welcome, and it's just—it seems like such a cool process to me because they're talking about what it's like to work with R. A. Salvatore, and he gives this huge, huge world for them to deal with, and they have to figure out how to translate that huge world to the player without just you know cutscenes and exposition, and how they were throwing out design ideas to him like, oh, we could do this, and you know he—he he was working with them, which. That was pretty cool. Like, I, I didn't know he was that hands-on with the actual game side of the story. And then they have the other side with Ken Rolston coming in, who, <laughs> the way they talk about Ken Rolston, he's like the mad wizard of game design. <laughs> Why can't I, I see that so clearly? To me, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and how he'll give them an idea that is... Theoretically completely impossible, but he wants them to do it anyway just to see how it plays. (laughs) So they have to take these crazy gameplay aspects and, you know, these great ideas and with the story. And that's a job I want to do. (laughs) I want to take, you know, that awesome story and actually translate it into the gameplay because that's not something we see a lot of in many games. For most games, the story, it's just like, okay, here's some story. Now go play some shit. Oh, you finished your quest? Okay, cool. Here's some more story. But the way they're talking about just how everything in the in the game world just melds itself together to create a certain atmosphere. How every part of the world has its own identity. You know, there's no central hub which, okay, some stuff's going on here. And then you've got 40 fucking miles of wilderness before you get to the next interesting thing. The entire world is alive. The entire world has story. And if they actually translate that across as much as they say they have, that's – really going to suck me in uh we got some more stuff about the destinies and the factions still freaking amazing just overall i I found this so interesting just to see the actual process behind the making of the game
2: i agree i to to me what's funny is that um as someone who writes i i kind of like having that complete creative control that's something that I've always really liked a lot and a lot of writers are like that so you it's it's your world it's your universe whatever it is that you've created whether it's a small freaking town or an entire universe you you like having that complete control over everything and how it proceeds and yet I also very much like the idea of various fan fiction, where you are working with an already established world or whatever once again, and then just playing with the characters from there. And that's what this is, just with, like, to the nth degree. So you get to play around with an already established universe that is was established by someone with a very good reputation and so you know that the content material is going to be rock solid and then the advantage for these guys as well is that you've also got him to to bounce things off of as you're working on it so that you never have to feel like you are going to do a dishonor to the source material because if you go too far he'll tell you or if you're not quite going far enough, he may make suggestions to help guide you along. So, like, this would be a phenomenal job. And then when you're, again, getting to work with, with uh, Ralston, you're then getting to work again with someone who understands, you know, uh, Salvatore is great for for fiction writing and whatnot, but then you got Ralston, who understands game fiction writing. And so, and, and quest writing and th- different th- stuff like that. Like, this is a a great job for these two guys like this is just a dream job where you can really let loose with your creativity and play with the source material and all that and yet feel like you have that trapeze net underneath you so that you don't have to feel like you're going to fall flat on your face did we lose joe no i'm here you got nothing to say
0: um, you basically, covered everything. <laughs> no, literally you, concur. You, you've, you've hit the points that I would have brought up and you hit the nail on the as a, as a person who likes to write and likes to be creative when it comes to storytelling, you hit the nail on the head that it's, it's like having that safety net, so to speak, and, and being able to work inside that IP and just watching this beautiful story, uh, and all the different things about the world kind of unfold and blossom Uh, and the certain just the directions that they can take it Um, well the thing that i like too is that it's a great
2: opportunity for uh, any writer but especially someone who is just starting off because what's happening is that they're the ones that are being creative and coming up with all kinds of different ideas and all that based on again the source material but they're being creative and coming up with ideas and whatnot but what they're also getting to see is a very well established writers mind at work so that when they present stuff to him and say okay well this is what we're planning this and this and this they can see him then jumping and latching on to different things and guiding them which way to keep going so it's pushing them even further than what their imagination would have allowed and it's guiding them and giving them okay so next time I'm working on a project or whatever I know to kind of stretch these this way and try something different and things like that and again as especially a young writer but even any established writer. I think it's a fantastic opportunity.
1: Okay. Just all around cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very oh, cool. Yeah. Very, very cool.
2: Okay. Last thing we're going to touch on is actually some Devil May
0: Cry news that you found, Joe. Yeah, which is actually um, interesting because it's the first real bit of news we've had for it and since it was announced as a relaunch. Um, so Capcom, as we've learned, is relaunching Devil May Cry. A completely different looking Dante with a completely different story um basically the new game is going to have a whole bunch of tricks and a style all of its own uh it's been something that people have been kind of worried about how it's going to pan out a lot of fans of the series have been like very defensive over it you know devil may cry 1 was absolutely amazing everything you know these other games were crappy when they tried to do everything else we've already had to suffer through other characters taking the lead what are you going to do to dante now well gamescom 2011 uh there was a live demo of the new dm the new devil may cry uh and for a lot of people it dispelled almost all of their doubts about the series uh team ninja theory is re-envisioning the character uh but some things remain the same the character still has his quick responses and he's he's a general badass while still being a smart ass um But one thing that's changed is that the entire world essentially is out to get him now. Not just demons, not just puppets or monsters or hellspawn, but the entire city, the entire landscape of the world is actually conspiring against him, uh, which I thought was really, really nifty. Uh, Apparently, the city has a demonic mind of its own possessing it, so that as you're you know going from section a to section b you'll be completely cut off from different sections like buildings will grow and 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 cut off alleyways or uh, in one particular scene he enters a church uh, or a cathedral and the cathedral uh, elongates and tries to kill him and there's a scene where he's the new character is running towards Uh, The one exit, which is like the stained glass window uh, at the end is like this one point of light. And then he's just about to get there and the building just goes, nope, and extends itself out. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting to see not only are you having to fight giant friggin demons, you have to fight the city. Um, So it's like extreme parkour demonic style. Now, Dante also has very two distinct personas this time around on top of his normal one. Um, in his normal form, he still has his sword and two pistols, Ebony and Ivory. They're still the same names. Um, he also now has an angel form to go along with his demon form. Each form has its own special weapons. These take the, the, the uh, form of a scythe and an axe. Uh, the devil trigger has also been reworked completely different from how it's been in the previous games. Previous games, you gathered devil power, you triggered it, it was an ultimate, you just turned into a badass for a certain amount of time. Well, here... Um, instead of turning Dante into an unstoppable demon, when triggered, it launches all the enemies into the air. They hang helpless and immobile, uh, and even the music switches to something more haunting than the metal track that the game usually has going behind it. The Devil Trigger's duration is based on how long the player is capable of staying airborne. So until your feet touch the ground, you are in Devil Trigger mode, unleashing havoc on everything around you. Uh, so keeping your combo going with... Air dashes and chains and launching off of other uh, bad guys all becomes very integral in getting the most out of your double trigger. So you can have uh, a double trigger that ends almost instantly if you you know screw up and just land on the ground, or you can have one that just completely decimates an entire zone. And these little these little flavor changes really interesting. Like it's I was actually one of the people that was very skeptical about this game when it first came out. I didn't I liked the original game. The second game was okay third and fourth eh. and now though it's actually got me interested into a point where
1: i really want to pick up this game now i'll say it's i don't want to say i'm interested but uh the developer ninja theory definitely earned a certain amount of respect from me with their last game enslaved uh, i thought it was a great you yes. know, cult hit uh, a game a lot more people should play so I'll give it a fair chance once I know more about it instead of just whatever <laughs> which when it was first announced I was like, "Oh, okay, it's a thing." So, I'm still there. Yeah, it's it's growing on me though. And see, and that was the way I was originally wired. It's just I wrote it off,
0: but like all the different changes it, being a fan of the series personally and just kind of like I, Everybody likes the badass character every now and then. Everybody likes the cocky son of a bitch that has a gun and, you know, the sword and is, like, you know, willing to skate down a mountain on a demon. It's just fun sometimes. And, hey, at least it's not Bayonetta. I like Bayonetta. That is true. Oh.
2: All right. All right. <laughs> With that, we're actually going to call it a wrap for today. Thanks, for everybody, for joining us. Of course, you can find the show notes as well as the show at ForTheLore.com, and you can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore. And if you have any comments, questions, or submissions, ForTheLore at gmail.com. And with that, we'll see you next week on time on Monday.
1: I did not read it. <laughs> I had- I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I finished my prep 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> I just finished editing your feature 10 minutes ago.
2: <laughs> is your shift key broken? Because <laughs> 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 it must be. You know, there's one on the other side of the keyboard. Just get used to using that one is all I'm saying. It, it, it's not consistent either. <laughs> Skyward Sword? Skyward is capitalized, sword isn't. And I'm going, well, how does that... Link is never capitalized, but Zelda is. (laughs) 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 Okay. At least he spelled RPG right. I'll give him that much.
1: (laughs) Have you at least rented Thor by now? No. So, like, I'm going to pay for freaking
2: Nancy Goldilocks, boy? No, that ain't going to (laughs) happen.
1: No. (laughs) I'll settle for you downloading it off a torrent site (laughs) at this point.
2: (laughs) If you get caught, I'll pay the (laughs) $5,000. And I'll do your jail time. (laughs) Just download it. (laughs) Bastard. You're just doing it to spite me. There's a little bit of that. That's just a, a bonus. That's a perk from this. It's, it's, I'm not doing it because of you. Even if you do like it, you're just going to lie. <laughs> I know. Listen, I've admitted when I was wrong plenty no, of times. The, the, I put this, it in the freaking you're too outtakes. You yeah. are too far into this See, one. the thing is, is, I know it's going to be bad. I know it's going to be bad. There's no redeeming value to it insert <laughs> Sergio Garganis Ghan- ruins marble. <laughs> oh god. I needed something to cleanse my palate after the fifty two. <laughs> so <laughs> I read that. <laughs> it was better than some of the fifty two. That's not saying much. I know.
1: <laughs> oh Joe, what are we gonna do with you?
2: Dark Knight, buy it, frame it, it was great. <laughs> Joe, really? <laughs> oh boy.
1: I'm just glad he told us to make sure we've got issue number one of each.
2: Of all, yeah, oh, dude, I swear to God, I was talking to my computer while I was editing. I'm looking at the screen, going, and at first you kind of smile, but then he keeps going, and it's like, oh my God, Joe, they're all number. It was a relaunch. They're all number ones. What are you doing? I, I, I was like this close to editing out every number one that he said, but it would have been too much work because there was too many he was recommending. I was like, oh my God, Joe, you're killing me here. But I was, I was laughing, just killing myself laughing. It's like, yes, that's what happens when you're recommending a whole bunch of series for a Launch. You say number one a lot. You can allude to things without being that graphic. Tastes like chicken. I wouldn't know, and I quite frankly can go the rest of my life without knowing. I'll be all right with that. You were very, very close to being spot on with the segue that I did last week, which didn't follow the show notes, but I tried to make it very smooth and segue into it, and there was a slight pause. Where it was like, I can see I was the like, gears oh, going, oh. <laughs> we're not supposed to talk about that now. Oh, oh, and then you started talking. It was like, okay, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. <laughs> There's room for improvement, but.
1: <laughs> it, it took a second. Yeah. <laughs> it was a Monday, you know, how you, things go.
2: <laughs> you don't have to fly by the seat of your pants. I do. You just have to follow along. Pay attention. Okay, well hold on. Let's bring in the other one. Oh, damn it. All right. All right. This, we're gonna try this again. Apparently. You did it this again, awesome. didn't you? shut up, dude.
1: <laughs> it's, oh, man. It's okay, Joe. We'll never know.
2: Oh, why not? I'll put it in the outtakes. I got none to hide. Everybody knows. Hello. I got, I got no skills. I'm glad for Rage. <laughs> I'm so glad for Rage.
0: <laughs> I'm glad. I feel happy. It sounds oh, so like it should ready? be on
2: a freaking button. You put it on a button, kind of, on your shirt <laughs> and attend those special parades. That's what that sounds like. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad shut I Shut up and listen to the this. awesome music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're my friend.
1: <laughs> you liked the fucking Dark Knight, so shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Dude, we're still talking about that, okay, Joe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And which one should we read again? Was (laughs) it number one or was it number... Yeah, it was number one. Shut (laughs) up. What about Nightwing? What issue of that one? (laughs) Was that number one? I can't remember. Damn it. I'm going to be screwed now. I'm going to go to the comic book store. I'm going to say, I heard I should be picking up Nightwing, but I can't remember which issue it was.
1: Yeah, there's some new DC comics. What issues did they start with? Which
2: one am I buying? Was it a point one? No, that's only Marvel. Hmm. Damn it. What did I do? You done? (laughs) Oh, no. For now, I need to make a remix with that. (laughs) (laughs) Some techno music in the background with number one looping over and over. Number number one, number one, number Number one, number Number one. one. (laughs) (laughs) Some Swedish chick singing something in the background. (laughs) What are we reading? Number one. Oh, come on, you gotta admit. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> Be that way.
0: I am. I already feel like a giant jackass about it to begin with.
1: <laughs> as long as you acknowledge it. I did. I no, you didn't.
2: All you said was shush. That's not admitting nothing. <laughs> really? Really?
0: Really, Roger? Yes, it is. Yeah.
2: I need somebody find me some techno music. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. So there. It's too bad I don't have the trading card game to play. I would Dude, I love to fucking... <laughs>
1: <laughs> When you started going, Wow, this is a lot of magic. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah and then i got dumb nuts over here sending me ims are you Dude, it took to it, it, it it took me a
0: minute to like what the fuck is going on here because i'm like i'm exhausted i have been up for almost like 36 hours at this point and i'm like my brain's like mush and i'm listening to roger go on this tirade i'm like what the fuck is he talking about and they're like and all of a i'm like He's oh, looking fuck. through the show notes. Where the hell was <laughs> yeah. oh, No, 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 no. I was like, why the fuck is Roger talking about card games? What the fuck is wrong with me? I know I'm overtired. Is he that overtired? Overtired and, so, like, and
2: medicated. Medicated. Medicated.
0: medicated. <laughs> I'm medicated. November. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'm, and I'm sitting there, like, and then it clicks, and I'm like, oh fuck! I'm slow right now." Uh, the normal, slower than normal. But I mean, seriously, it's like I, 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 did not get it at first, and it took me a little bit. It was, it was kind of awful.
1: <laughs> Every once in a while, you do something to impress me, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Every, Every once in while. a while hasn't hey, happened in a while. Is
0: what you're saying? <laughs> You magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: all right, good to know. Train,
0: train. Coming round, round the bend. Train, train.